really important to recognize that wherever you are right now, there is a chance that you're trying to apply something or trying to gain success with something that's just not the right fit for your particular situation. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here and welcome to my podcast. Uh, it's still fun getting to say that actually now uh, since we switched over to jamesschramko.com. And of course, part of that big move, and I mentioned this in uh, episode 927, was I went to my sort of trusted panel of advisors and my clients and I thought about it a lot. One of my advisors, of course, people, you know, in the small circle of people whose opinions I really trust is Get Malik, my SEO friend, my SEO advisor. He works with us, with our team. And I wanted to know, is this going to be something we can do and should consider? And I've brought along Get to this call. Welcome, Get. Hi, James. So we, we've done quite a complex switch across from one website to another, and it sort of triggered some thinking here. There was a, lo- a lot of moving pieces that we had to roll up into the change. And when it comes to SEO, of course, we've been chipping away at our SEO for quite some time. I think I registered the domain that we came from, Superfast Business, in about 2008. And we'd built out thousands of pages and lots of links to it. And of course, we d- did the same for Silver Circle and for my personal domain, and we've put them all and we're still in the process of doing, putting them all onto one site. And it turns out that it can work as long as you do it right. But it did prompt me to think, what other things can we be testing when it comes to SEO? Because it's really good to have an idea of where gains can be made or if a savage loss or, you know, if you're going to take a huge hit, you'd want to know about that in advance. So I know you've had a foot in the paid traffic side of things, running an agency for many years. And also, you're, of course, very, very keen and enthusiastic on the SEO side of things. And I know you've brought a lot of your paid traffic methodology across to the search engine optimization side of the business. So I'm really curious to know what sort of things can we test to see if we can pick up better SEO and build an episode around that topic. I think this is great. I, guess I just got a little bit nostalgic when you talked about 2008. I was remembering what SEO was like back then. So it was almost a wild, wild west. <laughs> I think it was a bit easier. It was probably easier. We just didn't know so much about it. So it was still difficult back then. Today, obviously, with today's knowledge, 2008 would be easy cheesy. SEO has come a long way. Google has come a long way. And it's funny, very often we just see people publish content and uh, with the goal of being found on Google, which is already the first step. Sometimes we publish content without taking Google into account. But if you already publish and say, okay, I really want people to find this because I think it's great content. This is the first step, absolutely. And we see over time, a lot of things have changed. Some things haven't. And what we see very often is that people just really focus on implementing the best practices they have picked up over time. They have seen on YouTube, everybody giving SEO on YouTube is going to have to admit that part of the advice we give is just best practice that has been along around anyway. But a lot of information also comes from ongoing testing. And this just means that you sometimes need to step a little bit out of your comfort zone and do some testing. We have our own R&D department with our own testing sites where we just try a lot of weird stuff where we actually sometimes initially don't really think it's going to do anything. But sometimes you have a surprise there and you just want to make sure that this testing thing is just something you actually do like you would in in paid ads anyway. So anybody using and doing Facebook ads has heard that it makes sense to have multiple copy versions, multiple images. If one image stops working, you test another one. 
When it comes to SEO, we see people limit themselves really to the best practices they have learned 10 years ago. And so, okay, it's probably still good to have the keyword in the title and it's probably still good to have the keyword somewhere else. And very often people are limited to that, but instead of taking like a step back and say, okay, let's wait a minute. If I was Googling, maybe I would value this. Maybe I would assess this page differently if that happened as well. And this is where the testing comes in and where it's just so important to have a proven framework you can actually work with and actually track what is happening. Well, you know, you said the magic words, research and development. That was one key to our success as an SEO business back when we had an agency. And I don't think many agencies actually do that. They might read stuff on forums or they might get a couple of um, case studies that get published by authors who like to journal that sort of stuff, but they don't have a paid in-house R&D team. Like all the big tech companies do this (laughs) and they do a lot of R&D. If you plan to stay ahead, you need R&D. If you want to improve your SEO, if you want to get off the plateau that inevitably you get to, right, you get some quick wins, but then it sort of levels out and then you, you start to stagnate, then I think it's great to have a SEO testing framework. It's something you don't really hear about, probably because a lot of people don't have R&D and maybe they are just happy with that first level of results. But I'm curious to know what you've encountered as a consultant when you've gone to people who are on a plateau and started doing the testing and seeing what happens. Can you describe that? Absolutely. I think it's really interesting because the best practices people implement and everybody implements who goes to conferences, et cetera, it's like a boilerplate solution, which is a one size fits all. And then you have very, very different types of sites in very different industries with very different things that are common or not common there. So the first thing is that we need to recognize that what we think make sense, not necessarily make sense for our website in our particular situation. You might have a big competitor and what's working for them isn't necessarily something you can extract and apply to your website in the same way as an, a nine-figure business has different issues that I might have. Uh, it's like, yeah, you see Coca-Cola on a billboard. So you, you know, you're not going to go out and sponsor a billboard that may not be suitable for a small online operation. (laughs) Absolutely. But this is exactly what people do when they come to us and say, look, I have seen for Amazon ranks really well if they do this and that. And now with my small Shopify site, I want to do the same and get the same results. It's just not the way it works. So there are a lot of things that need to be taken into account. And very often you just need to make sure that you can really test in a safe space with a minimized risk, something that you have seen working before, either on your test sites, on our R&D test sites, for example, or very often we work with roughly 30 to 40 clients at every given moment here in ACO Leverage. And what this gives us is a lot of insights into what can work in different industries. And very often we extract something and then in R&D, I talk to my team, let's say, let's try this one. And it's a sample on that other project because I think it really makes sense and Google might be picking this up in a similar way. And then we see something that doesn't work at all. And this can then now be the reason why this doesn't work on this other project as well. So this is a leverage that we have as an agency that's pretty much impossible to get. Apart from all the masterminds and forums, obviously we are part of any way where we contribute with our own testing results and in exchange get insight into what other people are testing. But first of all, it's really important to recognize that wherever you are right now, there is a chance that you're trying to apply something or trying to gain success with something that's just not the right fit for your particular situation. Yeah, that's something I picked up from your Loom video briefings to our team in the SEO channel that we run in our company Slack. And I'll hear an expression from you like, uh, you'll show me something on my site. You'll say, here's this phrase. This is where you're ranking. Here's something that I've seen work well. 
on another site and it will probably be good for you guys too. So if you could change the page title, if you could uh, amalgamate these two posts and turn off this category tag, then what we hope is that the site will be picked up and Google will reward it. And it's uncanny how many times that actually does happen. So I think you having um, some great data points, essentially all of your clients are testing sites for you as well. If you see something respond, I know this is exactly how it works for my coaching. If something's working really well for a client, and then I see that pattern playing out for another client, I can point them in the right direction and say, hey, you know what, with this, that, and the other, what I've seen work well is if you try this, and they often come back and say, hey, it worked. And I love that. When you have a hypothesis and it plays out. So what kind of gains have you seen occur when you do this kind of testing experimentation? Uh, definitely, we have a, a few stats. I just pulled them together before the interview just to show, make this a little bit more tangible. It is important to say that all these gains essentially come from our app. So inside SEO Leverage, every client has their application, has their predefined filters, essentially. So if you imagine Google and imagine Google Analytics and you remove everything and just have five, the 5% that actually matter for your business, this is pretty much the experience inside SEO Leverage. And based on these data points, we then can suggest specific experiments. And there was one, for example, where we saw a very low conversion rate on a very high traffic site. For example, it wasn't even an SEO advice, but it just came to our attention that maybe changing the lead magnet might be a good idea. And we said, look, let's test this on one single URL, very limited risk, low conversion number. Anyway, we tested something and they came from three opt-ins to 30 opt-ins per month within days, just by changing the lead magnet. And then with this change in mind, we were then able to scale this up and check out other pages and say, okay, maybe if you bring the lead magnet in a similar direction, taking into account the situation of those other articles, then we can do something without it, with it. So what were you doing there? Were you like lining up the search intent closer to the thing that you're offering or something like that? We're essentially exactly, we're trying to make the lead magnet always be the next logical step for a client who came to this particular article. Very often we see people trying to have opt-ins with a general opt-in ebook or, or checklist or something like this, like a one size fits all. Whenever we say one size fits all, probably we should like take a breath, take a step back and say, probably I'm, I'm not leveraging everything I can actually do. And this happens very often with lead magnets as well. Here, our specific suggestion is that have this one-size-fits-all lead magnet everywhere. So if people want to engage, they can engage. But then really dive in deeper and look at those articles that get the most traction. Is there a better way to maybe name the same lead magnet? Sometimes you just change the title and remove, maintain the content the same, but people can just better then resonate with this. Another one, for example, was uh, really a traffic gain, an interesting traffic gain. This was a site that has been on the downward trend for quite a while. We're actually still working on this, but we are getting great gains with an experiment. And in this case, essentially what we did was we picked a sample set of URLs that were converting well, but not getting enough traffic. And on this sample set, we made a content structure change. So for Google very often, and we have tested this time and again, it's important what comes first and what goes later in the article. And this is a, a level of comparison many people are not doing. They're just taking overall, is this pretty much in line with what Google wants? But it really depends on the position in the article. So we made a, a slight change on what really goes at the beginning of this article, not only keyword, but really topic mapping wise, and got a 22% gain within a couple of weeks, really, on the sample set of URLs. And now we're waiting for the sample, second sample set. We just expand the sample then and say, okay, instead of 10, now we roll this out on 20 or 30 URLs and see if we can confirm this again. And it seems like we can. So then we can say, okay, now let's line all the articles up that have this issue and let's fix this and get this 22% on all those articles as well. I imagine then it becomes a filter and you look for that across any client. 
It's like, okay, Absolutely. is the article engaging and is, does it grab me by the eyeballs in the first few sentences? Exactly. It's not only the, um, the eyeballs, obviously, but also Google is really focused, and we have seen this a lot, on what goes at the beginning of the page. I think this came uh, really up with the mobile first development, really, where people just are mostly navigating their mobile phone. Nobody wants to scroll down and see if, if something is being answered at the bottom of the page. You want to make sure that they at least know at the beginning that this is going to be part of the answer they're going to find and have them jump there, scroll there, or whatever it is. And also make sure that Google can read the beginning of the page like the backside of a book, where it says, no, okay, if I read the backside of a book, I know if I, if I want to purchase it or not. So the beginning of the book needs to have, uh, the beginning of the article needs to have a similar function there. I just uh, had to migrate some of my podcast, and for one of the platform players that we syndicate to, it asks for a region. And I paused there and I thought, I wonder if the region makes a huge difference. I often thought that for the first few years, my podcast was always ranking well in Australia, but may have been penalized in the United States market. How does this relate to location dependent or independent SEO terms, like the difference between local SEO or a global business? Like in theory, I can coach you know, English speaking countries. Does it make a big difference if you want to try and target locations or not? This is a really interesting one. And we have seen a lot of change happen with the pandemic where people who traditionally had their office, their practice, their environment, physical environment where people would go and visit them, they started to deliver the service via Zoom. We had one client where I specifically suggested to them to move to Zoom only because I could just see the SEO potential for this to actually work. So this client was only delivering service in Australia in one city. And he thought he could only rank for his service plus city name but we essentially then established him in multiple Australian cities. So now he's getting people from Brisbane, from Perth, from Sydney, from Melbourne, from everywhere with specific SEO targeting. And he's still delivering the service that's traditionally delivered in person. Physically, he's delivering it on Zoom and essentially has, is getting more quality leads than ever because the site is good, the branding use, everything was great. He just didn't leverage the location aspect of it. It reminds me of some of those ads that target, you know, like um, man in Noosa, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's really zooming in on me. Um, it, speaking to that sort of general versus specific, I'm just curious, is Google clever enough yet to be able to rank a single sales page for a course for multiple keywords? Or are we still in a situation where we should silo out our sales pages or landing pages to bring people in on a more relevant SEO pathway? It's definitely something worth testing for everybody. We are testing this consistently on every single client. Very often what we see is that people are ranking with one really big article, getting a lot of traffic. But then when we look a little bit closer, we see many of the keywords this article is ranking for are ranking on page five, page eight, page seven. Why is this the case? It's the case because this article is a good fit for a handful of keywords and a decent enough fit for 100 or 200 other keywords to still sit on page five, but page five doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. So now if you zoom in on those keywords and say, okay, if my general article is, is already a good fit, let's type in those keywords into Google. And then you see Google really wants specific articles for those keywords. And then you can go in, grab them, put them in uh, onto your website as a specific fit, make sure to strategically link content together so Google can recognize what you're doing, but then you actually get a lot more traction because you just give Google what they really want, not what they kind of like. <laughs> As we migrated our website, my team were doing test pages for us in a development mode so that we could sort of have a look at it and then review it and then say, okay, yes, make it go live. 
I'm just wondering if you've got moneymaker sites or whatever, is there a testing protocol you would recommend where it can sort of ease the burden of a, of a failed hypothesis? You definitely want to make sure that you test something that you have been seen working somewhere be it your existing R&D sites very often. For example, we just hired four trainees for our team at SEO Leverage. And one of the last tasks they have in their onboarding program is creating a website. So they create a website, they pick an industry of their choice, they create a website. I think we had healthcare and skincare and tourism and something like that in the last training round. So we already have a lot of training websites here at the team we work with and we test stuff there. So whenever I have an idea on on a weekend in a woodshed, I might drop a Slack to my team and say, look, let's test this on one of the sites and see if this can work, right? So if you see this working on one of your test sites, on one of your competitor sites where the competitor is actually really comparable to you, so make sure that you be selective there, then it makes sense to go to your website and say, okay, now let's pick something that doesn't impact my bottom line negatively or too much and really pick a sample only of URLs. Sometimes it makes sense to pick one URL and just see if this does anything to this URL. On a client right now with 5,000 products, we're going to pick probably 500 URLs because they just belong together and illustrate the same type. And we want to see if this can impact, but it's a low risk change anyway. But you want to make sure you essentially test your hypothesis on a low risk sample set of URLs. Implement it there, wait at least four weeks, possibly even eight. And the reason is because Google needs to crawl all those pages. Google needs to index all those pages, meaning putting the information into the database and then synchronize with all the data centers around the world. So Google everywhere knows what's actually happening. And then certain changes need to mature. So sometimes you see even maybe a slight downwards trend until it goes back up much faster. So you need to give this a little bit of time. Okay, so testing, it's it's important to always be testing but always have the patience to actually wait for the results to show what is actually going on. And then once you see this is, has a positive improvement, you can then go back and say, okay, let's expand the sample size a little bit and let's test this again and see, can this really again work for a larger sample set? And if this is proved to work again, then you can consider just continuously expanding the sample set. I'm very much against rolling out something sidewide if it's not necessary, but just slowly expand the sample set to be in a safe place. Now, I remember we did all sorts of experiments, crazy stuff as well. Now, putting link building aside, because I know that you could actually really damage your site with the wrong sort of links that may be irreparable, but let's talk about on-site. I have a recollection that sometimes we could change the on-site and it would drop out of Google and then we could put it back, we could revert and then it would come back to Google. I've seen the same thing when uh, website masters turn their site to no index, no follow, and the site drops like a rock, and then they switch it back on, and then it comes back. Are some of the tests reversible for the on-site stuff? Does that still work? It definitely does work. I would probably, I guess, I don't have hard data on this one. I would probably guess that you can only reverse so many changes on your site for Google to (laughs) give you back the credit. You can absolutely, if you run a test on a sample of 10 URLs and you get worse performance, you are going to undo the change, right? If you change a meta description and you get a worse performance in clicks, you are going to reverse it or try a different one. Definitely Google is going to pick it up. We do also see that sometimes, especially when it comes to Google indexing pages, if you do a change on a large sample set, it can take really, really long to get all those pages indexed. So you want to make sure that you evaluate the data that actually makes sense. What I mean by this is if you test something across 500 URLs, you might have to wait for a month 
to have those pages really be taken into account and just to make sure that you don't reverse something that hasn't been even rolling out yet because Google is very cautious of what page they crawl because crawling for Google costs money and at scale is crazy amounts. So they have become really cautious on deciding when they actually crawl something. So if you know index something by accident, it might take Google a while to crawl it again and see if it's now indexable and can be ranked again. There are mechanisms to try to convince Google, but they don't always work to do this, to recrawl faster. So you just want to make sure that you evaluate the data in the context where it makes sense. How risky was it for me to switch my entire property across to a new domain name? Well, a new old domain name. I think in your case, there are two factors that come together here. The, the switch definitely worked well. I was just taking the rankings before this call. Mm. Seems to have worked really well so far. <laughs> it worked really well. And, and I think some rankings even improved. Mm. So all everything around revenue share, I think there's hardly anybody who ranks like you. We see... In your case, you switch to a domain that's even having more searches than the original domain. So you switch essentially yep. to a stronger positioning. And it's older. It's older. It has more searches. It probably gets more clicks. People searching for you and seeing your name in the search results are going to yep. click there. You pretty much have the same website. So just a few components changed on the site, like the homepage and the logo. But everything is still in place. There weren't too many changes. So a lot of the signals that Google has been picking up over time, they can apply them completely to the new website. Your team informed Google and said, look, we switched from this domain to that domain. So Google even knew what was happening. It's not something Google had to figure out. But your team instructed Google to understand what is happening and say, okay, this domain does not exist anymore. Now it's this domain. We just migrate this over. Google was essentially informed about the process. We made sure everything was in place. So I think the risk was really minimized. However, people switching domains also can be more affected. And this very often happens if you switch to, I had a client reach out and ask me about this. And my suggestion was against it because I thought it was too risky. The new name was like a made up name rather than a speaking domain name they had before. And this automatically is going to impact the click-through rates. So if you switch from SEO leverage to leverage, People are not going to resonate with SEO so much on this name and are not going to click in the same way. And then you don't have your keywords so often there. The links can get redirected, but might also have a little bit less context. So you want to be careful. You want to make do it for the right reasons. And definitely always accompany a site migration. Site migration can really bring you down when the signals really change for Google. Google is a machine and Google just tries to serve the same thing to the people that were already happy before it. But if the same thing now is vastly different, Google doesn't trust it immediately as it did before. They're going to go back a little bit, drop you a little bit, and then slowly see if this traffic they send you responds in the same way. Apart from all the technical things that can possibly go wrong if the redirects and everything is not in place, you want to get someone help you and guide you there. And it's something we do on a consistent basis. We help people migrate and make sure that we do as much as we can in preparation for this process. It certainly made us feel safer having an advisor there <laughs> looking at our stuff before and giving um, an opinion and then us doing it and knowing that you know our fallback position would be a revert. But I think we're well past that point now, which is great. We're past the danger zone. Mm -hmm. For someone listening to this who wants to get help with their own SEO, maybe run some different tests, get some ideas, have a, an analysis of how their site's performing or some kind of audit review, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Get? Uh, absolutely head over to seoleverage.com schedule a free consult with me we just have a chat check out your website on a zoom call see what kind of potential we can see and then just see what are the, the most effective next steps to look into what kind of tests can we run what kind of things should we consider checking out the competitors as well 
and then just yeah have a conversation on what is possible. And for most people, that's going to possibly at some point involve some consulting combined with being hooked up to your proprietary SEO leverage app, which you've put a lot of work into developing and, uh, and it gleans great insights, uh, I can tell from the updates you send us. Absolutely. So the app access is usually like the baseline is access to the app with some ongoing support from myself and my team. And then there are different support levels on how, depending on how much guidance and consulting and strategy you actually want in this program. Love it. It's actually fitting that this episode's uh, number 928. That's the same sort of model as a German motor vehicle. Uh, I'm getting that sort of accent through. (laughs) So um, we're going to put this up here on uh, jamesramco.com, episode 928. If you want some ideas for testing for your SEO site, it's definitely worth trying. You might get some incremental gains. If you get the support of someone who's running tests all the time, has a professional R&D team, and is seeing what's working across a lot of data points, i.e. clients in the app, then you will get a bit of a leg up and an advantage. Uh, look forward to our next discussion, Giet. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing with our audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and really looking forward to the next one. Awesome. This is James Schramko. 